Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, and here we are. Uh, this it, It's getting weird. I don't know about you guys. Hi, I'm Ben. Hi, I'm Noel. Wherever you go, there you are. Here we are now, and we will entertain you, I hope. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, um, today we're talking about... Okay, so... We, we obviously are all in the same boat in that we are sequestered in our various homes and domiciles. Um, what's the difference between a home and a domicile, Ben? A domicile just seems more formal. I don't know. Well, uh, you know, home is it, home has that emotional stake. All right, yeah. There's an implication, you know, that uh, maybe a person you're in love with can be more of a home than a house ever will be. Oh, that's a nice sentiment, Ben. <laughs> Thanks, Noel. Thanks, Noel. Uh, speaking of nice, speaking of fantastic, of course, we, uh, we've got our super producer, Casey Pegram, uh, live and direct in full effect here. Uh, you and I uh, and Casey, all three of us, and probably you listening at home, folks, wherever your home may be, have been thinking a lot about travel about all the things we we took for granted now it is a not so uh not so secret secret that our very own casey pegram uh, may or may not have another identity across the pond uh casey travels uh pretty like i, I would say on an on a fairly regular basis to france right like how often would you say you travel a year there casey I would say I average once a year, sometimes it's twice a year for uh, several weeks at a time. So, you know, uh, the, the question of home and domicile, I would just say a house is not a home, you know? <laughs> Agreed. That's true. That's true. You know, what I was getting at with all of that was, though, that we're all in the same boat because of this uh, this this pandemic. And uh, today we're going to talk about a, a, a way stupider pandemic. <laughs> Yeah. That may or may not have even been a real thing. 
Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about travel, the the different epic trips that we have taken as individuals and even as groups or in pairs uh, here for for the good old day job and the podcast minds. Uh, and I, I think a lot of people are are dreaming of their favorite road trips or their favorite sojourns. And today, uh, as as you said, Noel, today we are going to uh, we're going to look into what seems like um, I, I I don't know an outbreak, a social panic, a seemingly contagious epidemic. Our story, you like this, Casey? Our story takes us to France in uh, let's see, really kicks in in the late nineteenth century in the eighteen eighties. Yes, and please forgive my uh, my uh, lack of scientific chops. This would definitely be an epidemic, not a pandemic, because it's very regionalized uh, in France. In the 1890s, uh, the country of France was beset on all sides, uh, seemingly, by uh, this contagion. Um, it was around 1886 to 1909 that the phenomenon of wanderlust became a thing where people would be seemingly for no reason um, wandering around Europe in, in in like a fugue state like that that time where Walter White uh, never mind that's a that's a spoiler alert forget about that forget I said anything watch Breaking Bad it's a great show now's the time um, but yeah a fugue state being like sort of like a a, a a waking sleep type situation where you're just sort of zombified walking around um, um, they were crossing borders um, with no papers, going into other continents even with with nothing in mind for for an endpoint. Um, and what's going on? This seems like madness. Uh, they would often be arrested. Some would be um, subjected to uh, mental health quarantine. You know, put into a, a, an insane asylum, what they called them at the time. Um, and it was collectively referred to. I said wanderlust. We'll get into that. But uh, the scientific term that was bandied about at the time was. I love this. I hope I can say it right. Dromomania. And that is uh, based on reporting by a philosopher by the name of Ian Hacking, who is also the author of Mad Traveler's Reflections on the Reality of Transient Mental Illnesses. Yeah, physicians also refer to this as, quote, pathological tourism. Today, we call it something else. We call it wanderlust. And wanderlust is a fascinating word for any fans of etymology in, in the podcast house today. It doesn't really have a translation into English from German. It, it's one of those words where it feels like when you say it, we all kind of get the gist, right? It's it's this deep abiding desire, dare we say a lust, to, to hit the streets, to travel, right? It's like that B-52 song, Rome, you know? Rome if you want to. Rome around the world without wings, without whatever else they're without. But yeah, it's it's that that that, to, that song to me sums up the sentiment of wanderlust. It's this uh, voice calling from within that is uh, that is urging you to go forth and and explore uh, the, your surroundings and and beyond, right? Yeah, I I also think of this a bit of nostalgia for me. I also think of on the road again because I don't know about you guys, but as soon as I could drive, I pulled out my map and I made this uh, this series of concentric circles that would let me know how far out I could drive and then how long it would take me to get back. And I always played 
on the road again. You know, I know it's a corny song. I get it, but I embrace it. And Wanderlust, this compulsion to travel, nowadays it's uh, it's something that we view as relatively benign, right? Someone's like, oh, Wanderlust took me, and I, I decided to just uh, hit the open road, you know, uh, happy trails to you, and so on. And the weird thing is, back in France in the late 19th century, this was considered a disease. Like you said, people were traveling in a kind of a trance state. Uh, they didn't really seem to know what they were doing, where they were going. And as this spread, people were struggling to get a handle on what actually was happening. It seemed like it was maybe even less a I guess you would say a true psychiatric condition and more like a, a diagnosis of convenience. Anytime somebody was doing something that violated norms or status quo, doctors might say, ah, you're a dromomaniac. And it could it, it was applied to any number of situations, right? Oh yeah, it sure was. Um, fr from that from that book we talked about earlier, "Mad Travelers: Reflections on the Reality of Transient Mental Illnesses," um, it describes the first man who's diagnosed with this condition by the name of Jean Albert Dada. How'd I do, Casey? Dada. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, good. <laughs> Casey on the case. Da -da. He was diagnosed with what was then being referred to as uh, traveling sickness. Um, and uh, the diagnosis read as such. Um, he was diagnosed with traveling obsessively, often without identification or specific reason for why he was traveling. I mean, to me, this just sounds like good old-fashioned just taking a walk, you know, like going out and smelling the roses. Like uh, it's, it, it seems very totalitarian to require someone to have a destination in mind. Uh, wh who is this hurting, Ben? Who is this hurting? This is uh, hurting. Who is this hurting? Just wa wandering without a destination in mind. I don't understand who is uh, who, who is going to uh, suffer as a result of this. Well, we have to understand. See, this is what I'm establishing with this idea of a convenient diagnosis. Uh, just like, just like doctors were diagnosing all all sorts of patients from all sorts of walks of life with quote unquote hysteria, uh, people were being diagnosed with dromomania to cover up or uh, politely address things that ordinary society would not would not put in public spaces. Like people were diagnosed with dromomania for leaving their families, for instance, for deserting the military, and of course experiencing a bout of amnesia. So it, it, it kind of became a catch-all or a miscellaneous diagnosis. In the case of Dada, he may have had a, a genuine uh, mental problem because when he was very young, at the age of eight, he fell out of a tree and he had a concussion that caused uh, fits of vomiting and migraines. This may have been, according to historians, uh, this may have been uh, a physiological cause uh, for his, his wanderlust. Uh, one day when he was 12, he just disappeared and then he surfaced later in a nearby town. Now, for a lot of us listening today, we would just say, hey, that's that's what 12-year-olds do. Like, kids want to run away sometimes, right? 
Yeah, it's true. I was just going to say, it sounds like the uh, healthy curiosity of a young lad trying to find his way in the world. But no, he did apparently have some um, some qualities that took it a little further than that. Uh, so he uh, disappeared, and when he resurfaced in that nearby town, his brother found him and, uh, and, and gave him a good shake. And um, he had apparently been... Uh, wandering around with a, uh, a traveling umbrella salesman acting as his young apprentice, I guess. Um, and he had this sense about him, according to his brother, almost as if he had been awakened from some sort of deep sleep, like he had been hypnotized in some way or under the spell of this, uh, this, this umbrella salesman, or at least at the very least, the idea of wandering. Yeah, yes, this dastardly umbrella salesman, right? Uh, the silent threat of France. Yeah, it's true. He blacked out and spontaneously traveled, not once, but numerous times. He would wake up, or I guess come to full consciousness on benches in public spaces, uh, in police stations, on trains headed to cities he had never dreamed of going to. And sometimes he would have traveled so far away in his fugue state that he would actually have to work odd jobs just to get enough money to make it back home. Uh, we have we have a couple of different weird stories about him, like that time he ended up in Algeria. Yeah, Atlas Obscura, as always, does a fabulous job of, uh, of listing off some of these great stories um, in an article called When Wanderlust Was a Disease, and it uh, goes into good detail about the story. When he woke up, um, he had apparently taken a ship to Algeria, earned his keep on said ship by becoming like a galley hand uh, where he would uh, you know do dishes, and then hopped a ship that uh, took him back to France. And he was arrested um, in a French city. Oh, gosh. It seems so obvious. I'm going to try my best pronouncing this. Uh, Casey, A-I-X. I'm going to go with uh, X. What do you think? Yeah, that that's pretty much right. It'd be like X, like uh, X en Provence. X en Provence. And that is the city in question here, uh, often just referred to in shorthand as X. And he is arrested there because he was an undocumented laborer. Uh, and um, he, you know, had been kind of slipping in and out of these fugue states from job to job. It seems like a pretty high functioning psychological condition in that you can, you know, you're kind of drifting around and doing these things and waking up from these uh, these weird dreamlike states. But you manage to keep a job. You know, that's 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 not easy. That's the weirdest part. In addition to his uh, his various fugue state uh, freelance gigs, that's what I'll call them, uh, he had a solid job at a gas company. He had been apprenticed to a manufacturer there since he was 12. And Maud Casey, an author who wrote a fictionalized version of Dada's life called The Man Who Walked Away, says how he kept this job was a mystery to me because it was always wandering off. I mean, and let's remember too, not just, he wasn't just going into fugue freelance states. He was also going to prisons. He was also going to asylums. People began to know his story. Word spread about this accidental tourist who's walking around a bit zombified. And even today, uh, as reported in Faina.com, when too much travel was a sickness, even today, some people question whether or not he was legit, whether he was sincerely encountering, um, you know, some mental problems or whether he was just kind of swindling people. He always managed to find some way to get home. Uh, 
He always uh, managed to be safe. You know what I mean? Like he didn't wake up in a in a, a, a zoo fighting a tiger or anything. And this caused some people to believe that maybe these episodes were deliberate attempts to erase his own presence, you know, get off the grid, start somewhere else, or maybe just escape his day-to-day life. Well, he sure had me going, Ben. He sure had me going because uh, I was thinking the same thing, but also it was like the poor guy. So, uh, again, we don't really know one way or the other, but it does uh, seem a little suspicious that he never found his way into any uh, perilous situations. It seems like, you know, someone with this almost was like a more extreme form of narcolepsy or something. And people who are narcoleptics don't get to decide where they fall out. Right. And where they come, come to Uh, certainly wouldn't be in the comfort of a park bench necessarily. It could be very well while driving at the wheel or like riding on horseback at this time, I guess. No, this is, this is past horseback. Forget I said that. Uh, so There's what? Still ha- horses. Well, people, yeah, okay, but it's not like the primary mode of transportation. But he could very well have been on horseback. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. You know, Ben, I got to say, one of the best parts about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity you get where you're like, man, how have I been living like this? What's wrong with me? <laughs> you're right, Noel. It's, it's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. So what happens next, Ben? Um, He really has his kind of all-star fugue state uh, wander lust um, encounter in 1881 when he joined uh, the French army. See, this is the one that really makes me think he's kind of taken the 
the P out of people, as the Brits say. Um, he joins the French army near uh, Mont, um, and he heads east, and he uh, he goes through uh, some uh, cities in Europe, Prague, uh, Poussin, Berlin, and Moscow um, by foot. And in Prussia, he uh, gets a nasty dog bite and he lands in the hospital and he gets recognized because he's a bit of a local celebrity because of his uh, accidental tourism um, but unfortunately this is very 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 bad timing for Dada because the czar had been assassinated and um, Dada uh, who had was a known nihilist his philosophy uh, was arrested again from the, the hospital and through thrown into jail. Yeah, a known nihilist. How Lebowski is that? Uh, so his his Ferris Bueller, uh, his Ferris Bueller adventure does not end well for him, at least at that moment. Uh, three months after he's thrown in jail, or thrown in prison, rather, there is a difference, he and the other prisoners are marched out to Constantinople and the French consul gives him enough money, just enough money for a fourth class train ticket. So he goes back to his, his stomping grounds and he goes back to his job at the gas factory. What on earth is going on with this guy? Uh, fast forward 1886. He is in a hospital in Bordeaux and his case catches the eye of a young neuropsychiatrist, Philippe Auguste Tissier. Yeah, that would be Philippe Tissier. Casey on the case. You are saving the day in this episode. So this young neuropsychiatrist gets obsessed with Dada, and, and he's saying, you know, this guy is nuts. He has an uncontrollable urge to wander or travel. I'm going to call it dromomania. That's right, dromomania, which becomes the uh, the prevailing term for that uncontrollable wanderlust. And here's the kicker uh, that uh, really kind of sets Dada apart uh, and really convinces Tessier that this was a legitimate um, psychological condition. Apparently, uh, Dada could only remember his travels when he was hypnotized. Interesting, right? Yeah, when he was put into a trance, apparently he was an open book in a meadow on a sunny day. And when the neuropsychiatrist is hearing these stories relayed while the patient is ostensibly under hypnosis, he's writing them down and he compiles this, this huge anthology, for lack of a better word, of the guy's experiences and he sends it to a medical journal under the name the mad travelers. So he's patient zero for this. And this happens often, you know, there's one person with maybe a, an inexplicable condition and they're, they, they often end up being kind of a, an historical footnote. Like that one guy uh, we talked about who was able to eat everything and may have been a mutant. Remember him? La pet, la, la pet man? No, that was the farting guy. That's the flatulist. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who was, uh, uh Tarer. That's him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the he was the eating guy. He he and the petto man should have uh, teamed up. So you got the farting guy and the eating guy, and then this guy mm. could have been part of their weird, stupid superpower crew. There's the sleepy wandering guy, and then yeah. it would be another another addition that could have another useless uh, ability. 
Do they have to be French? Uh, no, I'll, I'll allow uh, any any European uh, of European descent. <laughs> no, you know what? Well, let's broaden it. Let's broaden it. Do we have any others in the annals of ridiculous history that uh, I, 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 I'm uh, trying to think? Did we talk about the Habsburgs? No. Uh, so so maybe maybe a Habsburg. What I like about this idea, Noel, is that the sleepy, forgetful traveler could have actually been part of this weird superhero group and just forgot about it. Also true. Is, this, is it the Habsburg because they can bleed all over you? What's the deal with the Habsburgs? Oh, the Habsburgs are just, uh, were just egregiously inbred. Right. So they might have been some hemophiliacs in the bunch and they can just bleed all over you. There you go. Uh, probably, yeah. probably some color blindness. Uh, probably. Oh, and they were super rich, right? So they're the they're the money bags of the superhero group we're assembling. Also true. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, here here's the thing. Maybe maybe Dada's real power was not just his fugue state and amnesiac traveling. Maybe his real power was to set and create trends because he may have been the first case of dromomania but he was certainly not to be the last no he really wasn't um uh, this this thing was being more and more looked at as as an epidemic as as a truly contagious that's the thing where like is, is, it, is it mental illness isn't contagious but they there was a weird crossover here uh it was after tissier kind of gave uh, dada his diagnosis and and uh, crowned him as patient zero more or less of this thing uh there were a ton of other diagnoses that followed and you got to wonder if that's just confirmation bias, Ben. You know, when something has a name, all of a sudden you're going to see it everywhere and, and, and try to use that name as much as possible, right? Right, yeah. Now, there was a there was kind of a, a demographic for the people who would be diagnosed with dromomania. They weren't itinerant travelers. They weren't uh, vagrants, you know, or, or hobos, tramps, et cetera, whatever you want to call it. They didn't seem to have common, you know, addiction problems. They were not super wealthy. They weren't middle class, but they were working poor. They had jobs, but, you know, they didn't own castles or estates. Uh, and then one day they would just wander off. I, I think there's a really big point here that we kind of alluded to at the top of the show, which is that if you tried to do this in Europe now, you would have a more difficult time than than these fellows. Even though there's a free travel zone in the EU, there are some rules and regulations and paperwork, but it was way easier to just sort of walk into a country back then. And, and this was also, it wasn't just like, see, you know, I asked earlier who this was hurting. Well, I'll tell you who it was hurting, Ben. It was hurting the very foundation of family life and the family unit because the notion of vagrancy was becoming a big deal. Uh, and that was simply because there was this expectation that people belonged at home with the family with the wife, with the kids, with the puppy dog, uh, and that by wandering around willy-nilly, they were somehow endangering that, uh, the very foundation of society. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's an interesting conspiracy here, uh, a very well-intentioned conspiracy. Military doctors were very well aware of the incredibly harsh punishments that deserters could face, you know, incarceration or even actual execution. You could be killed for deserting. So sometimes we believe they would diagnose 
a deserter with dromomania, which is kind of like saying, hey, I know they didn't show up to their duties as a soldier, but it's not because they were trying to run away. It's because they have this mental condition and therefore we can't really blame them. You know what I mean? So it was like to spare them. It was it was really to help them out. At least in some cases. I, I could see that if they had someone who could maybe vouch for them or a high up in the, in their uh, in their ranks that would maybe, you know, talk to the doctor and say, hey, you know, he's a good man. Maybe uh, throw him a bone and give him this di- make the diagnosis go his way. I don't know. I'm just guessing guessing here. But yeah. it certainly seems why would the doctor care? You know, if, if, if the person truly was a deserter, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just wondering why they would bother uh, looking out for someone if they really had deserted, which is, you know, even to the least patriotic of us, it's not particularly cool to desert if you're like meant to be, you know, in the service of your country and you're needed just to take off unless the cause is absolutely hopeless. Like in that Paths of Glory movie, I would have hoped those guys would have deserted, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, you know, it makes me think of the Hippocratic Oath. I imagine in at least a few cases, the charge to do no harm was a huge motivator for the doctors. You know, they, they probably didn't agree with des- the, the idea of desertion, but they didn't want to be directly involved in the loss of a human life. That's if we're being very optimistic. You know, maybe they were paid by deserters, right? Maybe they were bribed. We don't know. We do not know, but we do know that it happened. Um, this was, uh, it caught on. And, 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 you know, I mean, it certainly wasn't an epidemic that you could measure in terms of, uh, you know, any kind of uh, virus or disease or any kind of, you know, evidence of, of a real transmittable sickness. But uh, we do see evidence of it in its um, the ballooning of these uh, diagnoses. Yeah, this is a this is a time when medical science is wild, baby. This is like these are the days of uh, you know people uh, people exploring all kinds of things in a pseudo scientific way. So they call dromomania an impulse control disorder, like kleptomania, pyromania, or dipsomania. Dipsomania being the need to drink alcohol. <laughs> but there's there's one thing. Uh, oh gosh, I gotta say it. My, my favorite book in the entirety of this research is a book by a guy named Benjamin Kahan, or Kahan, uh, and the name of the book is The Book of Minor Perverts. <laughs> did you see that one? No, I, I did read The Book of Major Perverts, though, um, but I, I need to get a little more uh, minutiae in the world of pervs, so that, that'll be uh, some good quarantine reading for me, I think. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Snagajob. Snagajob is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs on-demand, temp-to-hire, part-time, or full-time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. 
Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Noel, do you remember your favorite car? Well, yeah, um, it was a uh, an Eddie Bauer edition Ford Explorer. Oh, that's and cool. I, yeah, I, I just remember it was my dad's. I, I was a hand me down car kind of kid. Dad would buy a new car. I'd get that car. And I just remember feeling so awesome being up above everybody like I was mm. in Mad Max or something. You know, I had a lot of uh, land yachts that I loved. I had Pontiac yeah. Bonnevilles. Right. Oh, I never had an El Camino. My dad had one. And that was a, that was a real interesting use of our collective time, keeping that thing running. But I think these cars all kind of speak to us because they were such a fundamental part of our lives. Do you remember when I had that Monte Carlo? That's what I meant. I, meant, I said El Camino <laughs> and I met Monte Carlo. I miss it. So uh, the Monte Carlo was tough. I had a series of Monte Carlos and the last one, God bless it. I just, I, I had to learn a lot about car maintenance just to keep that guy running. Totally. It it still was like a, a perfect fit. It's almost like finding your true love. Uh, You know, like when you recently got a car a few years back now, Oh, man. And funny you should say that. That particular perfect fit was the Honda Fit, which I love dearly. But, Ben, it's getting a little long in the tooth. And while it's been incredibly reliable up to now, it's getting to that age where I might have to start looking for some parts here and there to keep it running. Mm -hmm. And that's where eBay Motors comes in. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This author is a professor of English and Women's and Gender Studies at Louisiana State University, and They say that the dromomaniac was one of a, quote, numberless family of perverts that were highly specific and interconnected. Dromomania, Kahan says, established stability as a key kind of condition for what is normal or for what is seen, you know, as heterosexual, at least in in this professor's opinion. And I think, it, you know, that echoes back to what you were saying earlier about how vagrancy was seen as such a violation of France's moral code and culture. You were supposed to be a family man, and this was a challenge to it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's that 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 is probably the most fascinating part of it to me. I wonder if that uh, it was so culturally ingrained uh, because again, the original descriptions of this and the descriptions in um, this book um, that you know mentions these conditions, the descriptions really are. It sounds like you know they're they're describing it with such harsh negativity, as though to demonize these people as mindless zombies, you know, wandering with no care to anyone but themselves, or you know, and that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I I don't know. What do you think, Ben? I'm I'm really on the fence as to whether this was a quote unquote condition or whether it was just like a societal thing that was then. It needed to be given a name so that they could make it illegal. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm right there with you. It seems like there's a lot of public panic 
tied up into this. Uh, we know that dromomania functioned almost the way that a, a fad would function because it disappeared almost as soon as it appeared. In 1909, psychiatrists completely redefined the concept of what we call a fugue state. And so instead of looking at a fugue state as sort of its own distinct separate thing, psychiatrists understood it to be a symptom of a deeper mental condition, such as, for example, schizophrenia. And then, of course, World War I occurs. European countries are sealing their borders left and right. So people like Dada can no longer take those easy train rides. Within, what, less than 25 years, diagnoses of dromomania peter out. And eventually, you just didn't diagnose people with that anymore. It was, it was a disease that disappeared. When you put it that way, it sounds like a good thing, right? It does sound like a good thing, Ben. And uh, I think we can uh, pretty much wrap this episode up here for today. But a little teaser, we've got a great episode coming out soon that's going to be a companion to this about something called hysteria that was very much a uh, kind of hand-in-hand -hand, um, condition to this. And it specifically involved women and something called wandering womb syndrome, which I've always found to be both a horrifically sexist and yet hilariously cartoonish concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the old, the old wandering uterus diagnosis and the uh, the massage to relieve people. Uh, we're we're going to learn a lot about the horrible behavior of the patriarchy in the medical community. We sure are. But before we wrap in, wh what happened to Dada himself? Dada himself. Yeah. Uh, well, it's weird because... I think we buried the lead here or buried one of the leads. Did we mention that Dada managed to not only get married, but stay married for his whole life? Isn't that nuts? Yeah. The, the guy, the guy, if he was a charlatan, he was a damn fine one. Uh, and he, like, what do you mean? Like how, 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 what? Like he just disappeared for weeks at a time and just came back and goes, Hey honey, had another one of my <laughs> fugue states. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Just needed to get my wander on, you know, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't and the poor, long-suffering spouse who had to have the patience of a saint, uh, eventually she passed away from tuberculosis, and their daughter is adopted by a family of gardeners. So in between his few states, Dada would visit her, uh, and one day she was apparently, according to him, abducted. And soon after that, Dada himself was uh, found dead in a well. So things ended poorly for him. I hate to hear that, Ben, but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, when you live that untethered life, sometimes things don't go your way. I don't know what I'm talking about. I really, I don't know what to make of this guy, Ben. I really don't know what to make of this guy. Like, do you think he was just completely irresponsible and a terrible husband and father or really had a, a, a legitimate psychological condition? Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't want to cast unfair aspersion, but there are a lot of things about this story that don't quite jibe with it being entirely a medical condition. You know what I mean? We're not doctors, so we can't officially give this guy a diagnosis, but if I'm being completely objective, it doesn't seem to entirely check out. And that makes me feel like we're very lucky to live in the world we live in today where, you know, quarantines aside, quarantines notwithstanding, we can 
travel and we won't be uh we won't be called uh the downfall of society for doing so oh i thought you were saying in the world we live in now where we just aren't allowed to leave the house at all uh on on on, on fear of of fine that, that's going into effect here in atlanta tonight i think at six o'clock it's a the official shelter in place where i think you'll get a ticket if you're caught going somewhere i had some friends say that they were stopped and asked where they were going so, really uh, today yeah uh-huh uh-huh police state here we come baby <laughs> right yeah the uh lockdown here is beginning at 6 p.m there are a lot of uh essential businesses that will remain open and it's okay to travel to those uh this being atlanta liquor stores are considered an essential business uh and alcohol consumption has gone through the roof for the city Oh, I bet it has. Um, I'm about the same, uh, but I'm definitely going to have a little happy hour with some uh, folks on my team. And I don't know, are you doing anything at 530, Ben? You want to join our virtual happy hour? You are more than welcome, sir. Oh, thanks so much, man. Only if Casey can come. Oh, you know Casey can come. I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you a White Claw in spirit. Oh, thanks so much, man. I appreciate that. I actually, these virtual hangout meetings are killing me. I don't know about you guys, but I think I've got another one at six. That's what I did last week that I was going to invite you guys to. I think I, I sent you the message last week. Wait, are you doing one with your folks at six? Yeah, just some random coworkers of ours. That'd be nice because we did it last week. Well, then maybe we should just combine ours. Folks, we don't need to get in the weeds about the details, but as you can tell, uh, we're, we're happy. We're safe. Uh, we miss each other. We love hearing from you. I guess, yeah, let's see if we can get the band back together. Noel, what do you say? Sounds like a plan. Um, thanks to you, Ben, as always, for being there uh, in this difficult time and continuing to crank out the ridiculous history hits. Uh, huge thanks to super producer Casey Pegram for being a mensch. Uh, Alex Williams, who composed our theme. Christopher Hasiotis. Big thanks, of course, to Eve's Jeffcoat. Big thanks, as always, to the people on the front lines of the current situation, the grocery store workers, the truck drivers, the doctors, the educators. I mean, being a teacher is already a very difficult task, and I think a lot of people are are learning that firsthand nowadays. So thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Stay safe, you know, and uh, send, us, send us bad jokes. Please do. We'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon waterways can go where the big ships can only dream through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. 
Visit TomboyX.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.